Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Eldon Taylor. Welcome and thank you for tuning in today. This is an hour dedicated to understanding what enlightenment means and what it just might be to be enlightened. Indeed, an hour devoted to learning something more about ourselves, an hour for those who dare to challenge some of those old ideas about the world we live in and the people we have become. An hour for the adventuresome, willing to evaluate their experience as inseparable from the total knowing of reality. I'm Eldon Taylor, and this is Provocative Enlightenment. All right, every week I read some of your letters as our way of honoring the very important role you play in making this show successful. Last week, our guest was Dr. Norman Sheely, and bless his heart, he is probably still trying to answer all of your emails. Michelle wrote, loved the show with Dr. Sheely, had computer problems, so I missed the show, but luckily I can listen to the archives. Thanks, Eldon. Well, thank you for your feedback, Michelle. Jackie wrote, your shows are so informative and diverse. How do you prepare for them? <clears throat> well, Jackie, I do my best, but sometimes I feel like I could do a lot more. We just run short of time, so we end up often with a simple introduction when many of our subjects could and should be given a much deeper evaluation. Sanda wrote, I am waking up, and you are one of my great teachers. Thank you. Well, thank you, Sanda, for your confidence and your trust. Wilda wrote, great show, trying to get my atheist boyfriend to listen to you. It will happen soon. Okay, well, hang in there, Wilda. We'll be here waiting for it. Lena wrote, Hi, Dr. Taylor. I just got your book, I believe, and I will start reading it soon. I am looking forward to it. Thanks again for your wonderful program on Hay House Radio. Well, thank you, Alina, for your feedback and support. If you haven't yet picked up your copy of I Believe, it's not too late to do so and collect hundreds of special gifts while you're at it. Just click on the banner at the top of my homepage, eldentaylor.com, there the banner pictures the book and follow the links. It's that simple. Gary wrote, I have purchased several of Eldon's books from Amazon, and they are excellent. If you want to reach your best self, you have to explore his website and intertalk CDs. It's the best way to help yourself and the world. Well, thank you, Gary. And while you're exploring my website, all of you out there, be sure to download your free intertalk programs. Just go to eldentaylor.com and choose free programs from the left-hand navigation pane. We think of this as just part of our own pay-it-forward program. Okay, Florence wrote, Eldon, I learned of your work fairly recently, 2009 or so, when you were on Contact Talk Radio. I wanted to tell you that I appreciate and cherish your work immensely. I have a few of your CDs and I listen to each of your programs. I hope that more people will come to understand the power of self and mind and through the, your tools and CDs, get the life they want and deserve. Thank you. Well, thank you, Florence, and I share your, your hopes as well. All right, that's all the time we're going to take for letters today, but I do invite you to opine by sending your email to Eldon at EldonTaylor.com or by joining me on Facebook. We can't get all of your letters on the air, but they do impact our programming. And I thank you for your feedback and support. Now to today's show. Juicy joy. Just the sound of those two words is delicious. Don't you think, Raph? I think it is. 
Juicy Joy conjures all sorts of tasty experiences in my mind. I can taste the salivation when I say those words. I mean, I think of foods, travel, entertainment, frolic, laughter, fun with my pretty birthday bride, and so much more. What would a life filled only with Juicy Joy really be like? Is it possible to know a life that is essentially only one of joy? Well, our guest today has some marvelous insight into how we can live a life jam-packed with Juicy Joy, and her pathway is likely to come as a surprise to many. I say that because there is this prevailing notion in our society that joy, that happiness is out there, just around the corner. If I could only get this one thing, or achieve this one ambition, or meet this one person, And the oars go on and on and on. The point is, so many of us have been told over and over again, both directly and indirectly, that we are somehow deficient. We need this and that to be complete. Advertising is all about um, selling us deficiency so that we'll consume more. Often our childhood is full of the same stuff, the stuff that I think of as that negative syndrome, Words from parents and peers such as, no, you can't do that. You're not old enough. You're too stupid. You'll never amount to anything. You're dumb. You're fat. You're skinny and so on. They're not intentionally designed to inhibit us the way they do, but they nevertheless have that effect. You know, this interior sense of lack then gives rise to causing us to seek fulfillment outside. Sometimes that leads to addictions. Food, drugs, sex, alcohol, etc. And sometimes, more often, it leads to an absorption with what I think of as the fifth force. More. More money, more power, more time, more things, more addictions for that matter. More, 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 more. Today's guest, Lisa McCourt, believes that, and I quote, Only through radical authenticity and self-love is sustainable joy possible. The seven steps in this process are simple, but they're not easy. They're straightforward, but they require personal bravery. Close quote. Lisa's best-selling books about unconditional love have sold over 5 million copies. In her newest book, Juicy Joy, Seven Simple Steps Toward Your Glorious Gutsy Self, Lisa says, and again, quote, If you aren't experiencing the abundance and personal freedom you crave, if you're not vitally and deeply connected with your loved ones, if you're unable to attract and maintain a soul-nurturing, awe-inspiring, passionate primary relationship, it can only mean one thing. You are not expressing the full truth of who you are. Close quote. Lisa McCourt's best-selling books about unconditional love sold over five and a half million copies, were translated into 11 languages and received multiple publishing industry awards. According to her press material, she then thought she was a real smarty pants on the subject of love. Then a lightning bolt of divine insight struck her and she realized at last that there's one rare flavor of love that transforms everything. And without it, no other flavor can exist. Self-love is not a cliche anymore. 
Once Lisa witnessed the miracles that are possible through true self-love, she made it her mission to perfect the art and science of achieving radical authenticity and outrageous self-adoration. She has taught her juicy, joyful, sometimes shocking, always delicious methods to thousands in her popular presentations and online trainings. So let's just get her in here, have some contagious, juicy joy going on a juicy birthday for my beloved bride. Welcome to Provocative Enlightenment, Lisa McCourt. I can't believe no one told me it was Ravinder's birthday. I would have said a birthday <laughs> present. I have something in mind. <laughs> Happy birthday, Ravinder. Thank you so much, Lisa. I'm, I'm so happy All to right. visit on your birthday. This is great. And thank you for those really cool things you said about me. <laughs> this well, is an excellent present for me because you are the most joyous person I have ever met in my life. Juicy joyful. Oh, Isn't that true? All right. Now, listen, Lisa, I like our interviews to cover three things. Who okay. is the guest? What is their message? And how do we use it? So I purchased your book from my Kindle. And right away, very first thing I read, Lisa McCord is a daring and adventurous life pioneer. What do you mean by that? And please tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, well, Arielle Ford said that. That wasn't me. That was from the forward. <laughs> but um, I think she just meant that she knows a bit about my own story, that it hasn't been Juicy Joy all the way, and that I just am so focused on being real and making sure that we're not glossing over the, the parts that are uncomfortable or prevent us from really inhabiting our truest, most authentic self in order to get to the joy, to get to the goodies. Um, I'm assuming that's what she's referring to by being a, a daring life pioneer. Because it's in I, your book, so. Sorry? It's, I it's say in it's in book. your book, so I'm sure that's <laughs> what she's referring to. But go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I, I think it's just about, I know for myself, Early on in my spiritual journey, I was very much attracted to this idea that we can't think negative thoughts because then we'll bring negative things into our lives. And I worked really hard to just never have my negative thoughts or my negative feelings, and that backfired horrifically for me. So I'm I'm very much about we embrace every feeling that comes our way. We we know what it means, what it signals, how to dissect it, how to absorb it and allow it so that it can pass through us and we can actually find the joy in even those emotions that we consider to be our negative emotions, the ones that we've been taught to resist, that it's that resistance and pushing away of those things that causes our suffering. So so you had to learn this the hard way. How did I mean, you know, tell us about that process. Tell us a little bit about Lisa McCourt. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we teach what we need to learn, right? I was just the quintessential people pleaser. I had learned early on how to do the dance and smile the smile and make sure everybody around me was comfortable and happy, whatever that meant regarding myself. You know, whatever I needed to do to be what the people around me wanted me to be, that's what I wanted to do. And I know that my, my motive has always been connection. I've just always craved meaningful, deep connections with people beyond that surface relationship that most of us have a lot of in our lives. And I thought in my immaturity that I could 
achieve that by being what people wanted me to be. So I developed this superhero power to just intuit when I was with anyone exactly what they wanted from me and become that in my interactions with them. And it didn't matter if it was someone that mattered, like an employer or a teacher, or if it was, you know, the kid delivering my pizza, I was going to be the best person for you because you have to like me a lot because then we can have a connection. And after time, it became apparent that that MO was the very thing keeping me from ever having genuine connection with anyone because until we get in touch with who we really are and are able to bring that out into connection to offer that up to others, then there's no chance for anyone to connect with us. People could be showing me affection, attention, love, and it wouldn't land. It couldn't ever actually reach me because deep down I knew this is just contingent upon this, this persona that I've created for you. So you can't pretend to be happy and really be happy, can you? No. <laughs> so now I know you're slammed right now with a big book launch, and, and I love your book. And I just went through, you know, one of these book launches myself. So how are you holding up under all the excitement? I thought you wanted this to be the Tuesday Joy Hour. <laughs> Who? What, you could have told me. Okay, somebody could have told me how horribly hard this is. I felt like I had some, some help lined up here and there, you know, because there was no way I was going to do it all myself. But what I didn't have was any kind of a connecting thread with all my different helpers. And I have gotten so overwhelmed. And I mean, I haven't slept in, I don't know, when was the last time I slept. I just, I'm just going through life in a fog right now because there's so much to do, so many details. I will never try anything like this alone again or without somebody, you know, in the supervisory position. <laughs> You really need a team, I know, but it, it, but you know what? It's I mean, it is fun it, 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 going through it. It's being slammed. You, you've honored me with a Juicy Joy Award, I and did. and you have a celebration coming up when you will be handing out many more of your Juicy Joy Awards. So tell us, you know, tell us about the party. Tell us about your book launch. Tell us, you know, what's going on. What what, what everybody should ought to know, and then we'll get into the meat of your book. Okay, this was such an exercise in the principles that I write about, and I find that to always be the case, that just when we start to position ourselves as somewhat of an expert on anything, the universe likes to say, oh, yeah, really? Okay, well, then, what are you going to do with this? What are you going to do with this expert? You know, this is just my, my experience, whatever I think I've really nailed something. So I had a lot of tests of my Juicy Joy recently. I had this vision for my launch party that, as you know, I wanted to honor the people who had been really profound in my own path because Juicy Joy is a bridge book. That's what I want it to be. It's, it's really aimed toward more mainstream thinkers to, to pull them over, to be a recruiter for the team. And in doing that, I like to introduce them to all of the fabulous influences that I've had. So I had this award ceremony planned, and I spent a lot, a lot, a lot of time on Skype with people, on the phone. Eldon, I know yours wasn't a Skype. It was a phone interview, but just really getting um, – and my vision for the party was I didn't want to just say this person was instrumental to me, but I wanted to share that person's wonderfulness with my group with my followers. So I wanted to ask them questions to get to show off their brilliance, like what's your best tip for authenticity, your self-love, what brings you juicy joy. So I had such, to me, just a gold mine of valuable things to impart, and I couldn't wait. And I had, you know, sort of put out the word for this party that there's this great stuff you're going to get to hear from all these amazing people. And 
as I think you've noticed in our interactions, I'm not especially technically gifted. I have played with iMovie. I've played with some things. I ended up at the very last second after putting hours and hours and hours into this project completely um, erasing all the audio on my my show that I was going to <laughs> show. So this was really literally yesterday. Last night was the party. Yesterday was when I realized that this had happened. And I know that the universe loves me. The universe flat out adores me, and it's showing me that all the time. And even when there's a circumstance that to me feels catastrophic, feels like an unwanted circumstance, I have complete faith that the universe is looking out for me, guiding me. It's it's for some reason that unforeseen to me is in my best interest for my highest good. So I just decided, okay, so you, to go. go ahead. So you didn't pull your hair out. You just you, you went ahead and lived through that all in juicy joy, right? Let's go with that, yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's, let's... pulling my hair out. But I have this wonderfully psychically gifted friend, Deirdre Abrami, down here in South Florida, and I'm always hanging out with psychics somehow. I just have a lot of psychic friends. And the, the crazy thing was she didn't know what had happened. No one knew yet. And she said to me, I'm getting a message from your guides. So what's the message today? Forget about this thing where you're going to have everybody else talk at your launch party. They're coming to hear you. You should just talk. And I just burst into tears because she didn't know what happened. <laughs> so cool. I thought, How okay, cool. universe, maybe that was it. Maybe that was it. Given the option still in a heartbeat, I would have had my fabulous video being shown at the lunch party. But I didn't. So I just told about it. I told about the story. We had a really great time. There was lots of interaction with the, the people who came. I had a great crowd, sold a ton of books, and it was a lot of fun. But it wasn't what I had envisioned. It was definitely something I had to just roll with the punches in that moment. Sounds like it worked out better, and it, and, and it, as you say, we teach what we want to learn, and you were a great teacher. So let's get to the book. You heard the setup piece. We're all programmed with a lot of negativity. How do you suggest overcoming this? And, and you know, the regular barrage of information that just keeps coming our way, you know, day in and day out. How, how do we overcome it? Uh, unless we go out and buy, unless we go out and consume, um, and, and so forth, to fill well, up that deficiency. Right. I think there are a couple of different categories for the negativity. Um, if you're talking about, and I know you mentioned the, the negative stream that's constantly coming toward us, news and yes. all of the things that we hear. I, I know you and I talked about this on my radio show recently. I don't do that. I don't connect to news. I don't care about it. I know you told me that I should <laughs> because it's important to know what's going on in the world. I figure if there's anything really critical I need to know, someone will tell me. But for the most part, I probably, if I got to a point where I felt I could really be great at buffering that and knowing how to not let it affect me. Maybe I would again. That's probably the point where you are. That's why you can do it. But I don't really watch news. I don't feel like I want that in my energy. I want that in my world. I create a world of my choosing that doesn't really entail a lot of what's in the news. And I know for a lot of people that sounds very head in the sand. It's what works for me and for a lot of my students. There are different categories of negativity. I think a lot of us are carrying around a lot of negative feelings and thoughts about ourselves, and you would deal with that in a different way. 
um, the, the juicy fill processes that we use in Juicy Joy Training, which I know you're familiar with because Eldon put all these fabulous subliminal messages underneath the juicy fills so that they can be especially powerful. But that is my antidote to the feelings that you have about yourself and about the world that are really based on beliefs that you had no no way to filter out when you were young and in the process of forming your own unique filter of beliefs that was going to determine your whole reality. But now we do have control over that filter. We can start weeding out the beliefs that aren't serving us and weeding in better feeling beliefs that do serve our juicy joy. So that's what my juicy feel processes are all about. All right. Now, you know, we've got about a minute and a half. In a minute and a half, Tell me what Juicy Joy is, Lisa. What what, what is Juicy Joy? Juicy Joy is the rare ability to feel comfortable, blissfully comfortable in your own skin all the time, no matter what's going on. It doesn't mean bad things aren't going to happen. Bad things are still going to happen. But it's knowing who you are and loving who you are enough that no matter what's happening, you have this really fabulous best friend right there by your side, you, you know, to go through it with. And sometimes I liken it to I'm like I'm watching a movie about a character that I just love this character. I can relate fully. I'm so invested in this character in this movie. And when you're watching a movie like that, bad things can happen to the character, horrible things. But you still, you're, you're still enjoying the movie because you know what a remarkable, wonderful character this is. And you know things are about to turn around and get better. And you can just watch your life like that when you reach this point of juicy joy. You can just say like, wow, that really sucks that I didn't have that movie to show last night. What's the character going to do with this? And it just lets you roll through the punches and stay in a juicy, joyful state of mind. We're going to talk, of course, a lot more about that. We'll take a few calls when we come back. But, you know, I, I have to I have to say that you know, initially when I looked at some of this material, I thought it was kind of Pollyanna. But the the deeper you get into it, the more meaningful it, it really is. I think you've done a great job. The book is Juicy Joy. It's a fast, fun read packed with pathways to a better life. That's what we all want, isn't it? You can check it out by going to Lisa McCourt. That's L-I-S-A-M-C-C-O-U-R-T dot com. If you're not already in our chat room, this is a great time to join in the conversation. You want to hurry, though, for we have a video of our guests that will be shown during the break. Just go to eldontaylor.com, that's E-L-D-O-N-T-A-Y-L-O-R.com forward slash chat. Stay tuned. We'll take some of your calls, as I said, in the second half of the show. You can ask Lisa all about Juicy Joy. We'll be right back after these words from some of our friends. Do you feel like you've become lost in the funhouse, only seeing the reflection of yourself, past, future, and present, but unable to find the real you? I invite you to step through the doorway and onto a pathway leading to understanding of your mind, your choices, and the influences that surround you. Read Eldon Taylor's New York Times bestselling book, Choices and Illusions. Now expanded, updated, and revised, it will provide you with real-life examples of how you can break free of your current perceptions and begin your journey to How High Is Up. Get your copy today from all bookstores or online from Amazon.com or Barnes & Noble. 
Close your eyes. Imagine your goals and dreams. What's preventing you from accomplishing them? Most often, we are our own worst enemies. I can't. I'm not good enough. It's time to reprogram that inner dialogue. Replace all those negative self-images with, I'm good. I am powerful. I can do anything. Eldon Taylor's InnerTalk patented subliminal technology does just that. Researched at numerous universities such as Stanford and by governments such as Mexico and Germany, InnerTalk has repeatedly been proven effective at changing your self-talk. Stop imagining your goals and make them a reality today. Visit www.innertalk.com. That's I-N-N-E-R-T-A-L-K.com. InnerTalk.com. Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Eldon Taylor. And welcome back. If you just joined us, we're talking with Lisa McCord about her new book, Juicy Joy. But before we get back to today's show, I want to remind you to like our Facebook fan page for Provocative Enlightenment Radio. As a fan, you will always know where I am and what's on next. I would also like to invite you to join me on Facebook while you're there. If you like our show, Please do spread the word. We genuinely appreciate your support. Okay, before the break, we were discussing the moments of Juicy Joy, what Juicy Joy was about, how what, what you did with negativity, how you narrowed in on that. You know, so, Lisa, uh, you believe that if you're dissatisfied with anything in your life, it's due to the absence of self-love. Have I got that right? I think we could go there, yeah. <laughs> okay. So now, now, you know, this is provocative enlightenment. I've got to ask you a couple tough questions, all right? I like it. Your emphasis on self-love, in your own words, sometimes is nothing less than outrageous self-adoration. Okay. Now, how is this different from simple self-conceit or, for that matter, narcissism or from, you know, I mean the complementary aspect of how we overcome ego. Distinguish that. Separate that for us. Will you please? I would love to. The way self-love is defined in Juicy Joy and the techniques that we use to get people to self-love is really about a stripping away of the masks that we've put over ourselves. I believe we all come into this world full-on loving ourselves and knowing how fabulous we are. And it's all those limitations we gather that cause us to stop loving ourselves. Narcissism and exhibitionism and all these things that we attribute to people who have too much self-love, those actually are just layers upon the layers. Somebody who's out there being a, a narcissist, being an exhibitionist, that's someone who has created a persona that they are so invested in making sure everybody thinks that this is who I am and they're being so loud about that, it's really the opposite of self-love. When you strip away all those layers, and it might have to be the big old ego layers first before you get down to the layers of just not loving yourself, and then you get past those, the real genuine self-loving person can't help but just love everyone else. It's In disarming the judgments we have about ourselves, it magically disarms our judgments of others. So it's really a hugely connecting piece when you get to the level of real self-love. 
but I know what you're saying. There's that false self-love that is actually several layers away from the kind of self-love I want people to have in Juicy Joy. Right, from the genuine authenticity. And when you know, when you see a newborn baby or, or you see a young child, you know, they're very fond of touching themselves, hugging themselves, tickling their own feet. Uh, you, you can see that they genuinely are impassioned about life and and full of joy within themselves um so i think that's what you're trying to say that you're encouraging you refer to our victim stories what do you mean by that and do you think we all have them yeah i think a lot of people would say that they don't have victim stories because there's a stigma about being a victim and part of the training that i do actually is allowing people to step into that victim role. We do a a writing exercise where I want them to write their worst. First, we go through what their victim stories are, and I define a victim story as just anytime anything bad has happened to you in your life, and everybody has bad stuff that's happened to them in their life. So you look at those and then find the one that stings the most, that really just causes that little inner cringe when you go to it. And then I have them just write that out, being as whiny and petulant as they can possibly be, making that the intention. And for a lot of people, that's a huge release because they were so afraid to ever appear a victim that they never allowed themselves to really feel all the emotions around that event. For some people, it's the opposite. They've been wallowing in those emotions for so long that being forced to to do it in that way actually makes them start feeling self-conscious and realizing that they have this voice that's playing the victim story more than needs to be played. So it's just a little tweaking around the feelings that people have around those stories and eventually getting to a place of finding what was the gift in that event. And even, it, you know, even if it's really hard to find, if you could start finding some little way to appreciate that thing that was your worst victim story, it just releases all that stuck energy around it. Yeah, you've done this a lot with uh, thousands of people. So give us an example. I mean, maybe maybe the most profound example that you can think of, an example of a victim story that, you know, uh, after the outpouring, we're able to find the good in and, and release and transcend. Give us something that we can all relate to. I think the one that's probably the most relatable because it touches so many people's lives and it comes up very frequently is people with horrible health issues, cancer, people who, you know, are just have come to this point of feeling so sorry for themselves, rightfully so. You know, it's not like anybody would take that away from them. Sure, you feel sorry for yourself if you're dying, but getting them to a point of seeing where that has really served them and it particularly it's easier, as you can imagine, once they're in remission and not it's not an active thing in the moment, but how transformative facing something like that can be and all the good that can come out of it and the relationships that are forged from it. And just it almost has become cliche, the, the busy businessman, let's say, who has some sort of a health crisis and says it's the best thing that ever happened because it leads them to stop taking their family and their leisure time and their very life for granted. Okay. Uh, do you have to be young, healthy, and bouncing around in order to find Juicy Joy, or are you yes, suggesting absolutely. that if... <laughs> Absolutely. I'm kidding. No, of course not. <laughs> bouncing and full of joy at any age. 
I had a 90-year-old at the, um, the, the book signing last night. It's really just taking your circumstances, whatever they are, and I know this feeds into what you were saying before about the Pollyanna approach. It, it is just looking for the most positive aspects of it, but not only that, because I think when you just focus on the positive and you try to push all the negative under the carpet, it just comes back to bite you. It's like that, that iceberg analogy they use in psychology a lot where they say whatever the percentage is. I've heard it quoted all different percentages, but that tiny, tiny bit of the iceberg that's sticking up out of the water is our conscious right. thoughts, and the whole big old chunk mm-hmm. underneath is our subconscious thoughts. It's, I feel like every time we just focus on the positive, we're just shoving a bunch of negative stuff down under the water line. So it's pulling it all out, pulling all the negative out, and seeing how that actually was kind of great that we had that, whether it provided the contrast that we need to really help us to clarify where we're going and what we want. And sometimes it's hard to know what we want unless we have what we don't want in a really powerful way and get to experience that. So there are all different points of value that we can give to the negative things in our lives. And the whole, the first step of juicy joy trading is emotion mixing, and it's just accepting that all this negative stuff has positive in it, and the whole tai chi two yin yang. Um, so it's not just positive thinking, but learning how to love all of it, all the emotions, all the crap, all the good stuff. We created it all, and we have the power to create it going forward. And we're going to inadvertently create more things that we don't like, but not to sweat that, not to feel like we're failing in our manifestation if things show up that we don't like, to find the value in them. You know, I'm going to ask you next, of course, about emotion mixing. I'm not going to let you leave that one there. But I can think of things in my own life, and I can think of much worse things in other people's lives from the days that I worked in criminalistics and visited prison systems, etc. And and I, I I can think of things, therefore, that uh, it would be really, really difficult to, to find a good in, if you will. And, and so I'm having some trouble right here. I'm a little bit stuck. Uh, you know, it, there are going to be things in most of us that... <clears throat> Deep down inside, we don't want anybody to know. How do you love that? How do how do you how do you really wrap your arms around that, Lisa? I feel like you asked me two things, so I'm going to give you a two part answer. Um, Please. There there are horrific things that happen. That is absolutely undeniable, and I know you've been around them and, and seen them. The way I feel about that, because I did wrestle with that, of course, our whole life, our whole world is really nothing more than our beliefs. Look at me preaching to the choir. You, <laughs> I believe, right? So you're on board with me here. Everything is just our belief about it. So I, one of my most important beliefs that is so firm for me, and I try to firmly get installed with my students, the universe is crazy about me. God source, energy, whatever you want to term it, loves and adores me. And if this is true, and the universe is overseeing all of this, everything that's going on, then even the most horrific thing that could happen to me, or someone I love, or someone that I see in the news, or whatever, even though I couldn't possibly, from my limited human perspective, understand how this is a good, beneficial thing, it is so firm in my belief system that it has to be in some way that I 
I just have to make that leap of faith with those horrific things. And maybe it's not benefiting the person that it's happening to, but maybe it shifts the consciousness for other people who are aware of this in a way that benefits the world. I also believe that we sign up for whatever's going to happen to us in this life, that we plan it all out in advance. So I have to feel that the person that this horrific thing is happening to came into this Seen, walked onto the stage knowing this is going to play out and had volunteered for this mission. It's a hard leap to make, but without that, without really going that far and saying, I have to believe this, the whole infrastructure falls apart. So I don't need to understand why this is a beneficial thing or why this could happen in a world that's ruled by love and God. I just have to trust that there is a prevailing principle that is making all this okay. Now, the second, you know, and and, and there is a pragmatic side to that as well. If I may add it in the bottom line is to think about it any other way, isn't going to do any good. Exactly. Um, You choose your world. You know, the calculus is I may as well accept that. I may as well make that my belief because investing in that optimizes the quality of my life and investing in something else diminishes it to the extent that I do. So exactly. what, Einstein, what is, I, what's the most important question is, is it a friendly universe? That's what Einstein said. So yeah, that's right. How you answer that question. Yeah. So, so, you know, we've got a couple of questions out of the chat room. Let me go to those and I'll come back and ask you about emotion mixing. Um, both Isha and Mod Girl, I guess, would like to know what was the turning point in your life? Uh, I mean, you, you weren't born inspired uh, to be a juicy, joyous person. Was there a significant turning point in this this you know place where you were attempting to please everyone? That was your epiphany. Yeah, I know what you're talking about because I, you know, I read stories about Byron Katie and Eckhart Tolle and, you know, it seems like there's a moment. There's this horrible whatever moment. And I think for me it was really more gradual accumulation where I reached a tipping point. I think I just, I kept, I always wanted to figure it out. And I've been a self-dev junkie my whole life since I was 14 and got my hands on your erroneous zones, which Wayne Dyer, I think it might have been his first book, mm-hmm. but it was the first and, you know, at 14, this was world-changing for me. So I've always latched on to personal development materials, but I realized at one point, maybe six years ago, that I was still using all these brilliant principles but applying them to my persona, applying them to this really carefully crafted identity that I walked around with. And it was exhausting. It was exhausting maintaining this identity. And it was, I guess if there was a a turning point moment, that was it, was realizing, oh my gosh, all this fabulous personal development work, I need to do that to someone who isn't even who I'm claiming to be. (laughs) You know, I have to find that core self. And I think that authenticity is such a overused term that people are like, oh, yeah, I'm authentic. Everybody thinks they're authentic. But when they start doing the training, start doing the steps, they realize that none of us really are <laughs> just just right. authentic because there's so much that we hide and bury. And really pulling that out little by little into the light is just so liberating and so freeing. Once I got a little taste of that, I knew this is the direction I want to go in. This is what I just want to focus on is learning authenticity and then self-love being just a really natural side-by-side with that. 
And I love how you do that. Tell us then what it is that you mean by emotion mixing, Lisa. Yeah, it's what I was saying before about really not pushing away any emotion. Whatever comes up, just honoring that and knowing it's a gift. I think everything's a gift. So I used to never get angry. It's still difficult for me to get angry. I'm still a work in progress. But I finally realized that if the universe is giving me something to get angry about, that's a gift. And if I'm just pretending not to be angry or denying my anger or pushing it down, I'm wasting this valuable gift from the universe. So getting so in touch with our emotions, and a lot of times our emotions are cover emotions, so it's learning to differentiate between what the real underlying vulnerable emotion is, which is the one that we need to pay attention to versus our go-to emotions that we're more comfortable expressing. I think I lost track of the question. <laughs> no, that's okay. You're talking about emotion, emotion mixing. You're doing great, you know, but, but that's a good place to pause because I'm going to ask you, you know, you, you call them cover emotions, and, and so I'll just use that terminology. We very often... Uh, feel, you know, what under, uh, let me say it differently. We often feel emotions like anger and disguise the anger from ourselves by displacing it with, through some mechanism uh, of blame that it, you know, the attribution that, well, I'm just feeling the way everybody would feel if that happened to them. And, and I'm not really angry. I'm just kind of upset. How do you get people to get past all that and into the real emotions that underlie, you know, a, a lot of these feelings that people want to deny? I think you hit the nail on the head when you said that people feel like if it's a, a emotion other people would feel in a similar circumstance, then that's vetted. That's okay. I can feel that because anybody would feel that. So that's okay. But I think that we're trained and which emotions we can express and which we can't early in our childhood. And looking back sometimes helps us to get some of a clue about that. It's, it's sort of a sweeping generalization, but I think men are often a lot more comfortable expressing anger and women are a lot more comfortable expressing sadness, and it could be the same emotion in, in both of them. But um, someone who was never allowed to get angry, who was punished severely for showing anger in their childhood, isn't going to be able to express it as an adult and might not even realize that that's the underlying emotion. They just might go feel very, very sad and shut off and numbed and shut down. And looking at how that belief got there, it's not okay for me to express anger. Okay. It helps them. You see, see, I guess where I'm going is, and, and, and you correct me, I mean, if you don't have this theory, uh, okay. but I've always believed that underlying anger and sadness is fear. In oh, fact, you know, I, I think a fear is for every anger response. Mm -hmm. There is a fear. It's very circular. And anger is just a nasty, kidding, even response. So we can play games with those, you know, create these anacronyms. But it, it, it's a fear, a fear of loss, a fear of something that creates sadness or creates anger. Even being cut off in 5 o'clock traffic is like, you know, a fear that you've taken something away from me. I was entitled to something, and, and it's been taken away from me. So I guess my question was more directed at how do you open people up enough to, to really get into the depths of of their own fears and expose themselves, create that vulnerability that's necessary for them to love themselves. I think you're so right about fear underlying everything. It does. 
and we're not really taught how to deal with fear growing up. I think we're almost encouraged to feel fear every time a parent or anyone says, be careful, watch out, you know, it, it's be afraid is what we're basically taught. Be afraid because that's what will keep yeah. you safe. And a lot of people, when we start going into our tackle-filling part of, of Juicy Joy, which is really focusing in on our wants, our desires, because I believe that your desires are the truest indicator of who you are, so many people don't even make baby steps toward their desires. They know it's there. They know they have this big dream or whatever this vision is, but they aren't going for it at all because of fear. What if I went for it and I failed? What if I looked stupid? What if I lost the momentum that I have in the career that I have going, even though I hate this career? It's all about fear. And I think to an extent it's fear of how we're going to look to others, fear of not getting other people's love because of this. And to another extent it's just fear of it not working out. And what we do sometimes is try to look at, let's just imagine your life stays exactly as it is forever and just forget about that dream because there is no possibility any part of that dream is ever going to happen for you. And just try to build a case for the fear of that being stronger than the fear of going for whatever it is that they want to happen. You know, the fear of staying stuck, staying immobile can become a bigger fear. And right. we do other little things with it. I, I tell a story that I, I learned in a training that I'm affiliated with down here where this woman who's the instructor in the training PLC, she's at a resort at night, and this boy comes with his dad, and they're in a hot tub, or she's in a hot tub, and the boy's afraid of the hot tub. And he says, you know, Dad, I'm scared. I don't want to go near it. The dad says, okay, let's say hi to the fear. And they say, hi. The boy, you know, waves his hand, hi, fear. <laughs> and the dad leads them, and okay, come on, let's get in. They get in. They have a great time. After a while, the little boy just unprompted says, bye-bye, fear. And just what a great lesson that is. And if we had been taught that when we're children, yeah, you're going to feel fear, sure. Okay, say hi to it, greet it warmly. Yep, hi, fear, there you are again. Now let's go do the thing. Okay, and then now we're not feeling fear anymore. Bye-bye, fear. It's just a silly little story, but who's ever taught that? You know, when we're little and we say we're afraid of something, our parents say, oh, don't worry, I'll protect you, or let's stay away from it then. So it's just really learning to face the fear, welcome it. Nothing silly about that story. That's got a lot of incredible power in it if we think about it. All right. I know we don't have enough time, but you outlined seven steps in your book to gaining juicy joy. Can you give us just a quick, you know, overview of those those seven uh, steps? Okay. So emotion mixing we talked about. The next one is filter fixing. It's realizing that we have this web of beliefs that determines every single drop of our reality. It's all just about this web and how to fix it, how to pull out the beliefs that aren't serving us, put in better ones. The next one is judgment flipping, which is really looking at Carl Jung and shadow work. And it's not just about... I think that person's stupid, so according to shadow work, I must be stupid. No, you could be a rocket scientist. You could be brilliant. If you're looking at someone else and judging their intelligence, it means that you're just not balanced within yourself on how much you know. There's, you're still unhappy with the fact that you don't know everything in the world. So looking at how our judgments about others are valuable lessons for us, how we can tweak our own self-love by looking at that. What was that judgment flipping? Um, story stripping is a little bit what we talked about, the victim stories, looking at all of the stories that we use to define us and how to rewrite those to better serve us. 
Taco filling is my favorite step. It's a play on the whole enchilada analogy. How nobody thinks they can have the whole enchilada, the whole package. So we like to use an open shell taco in Juicy Joy training because what you want right now isn't going to be what you want a year from now or two years from now. So you want to have an open shell taco so you can put them out and just keep filling it with all of your dreams, all of your visions. That's taco filling. Gut dripping is relationships, how to take that authentic you that you've found in Juicy Joy, bring it into relationship with others. And God dipping is just staying in touch with that source that adores you, that's always orchestrating on your behalf and looking out for you, how to have a reliable communication system with God and they, and they sound simple, but they're really magical, and it's a marvelous book. So, Aww. Lisa, where do we go to get the book? You could go to Amazon. You could go to BarnesandNoble.com. But especially today, thank you, you should go to JuicyJoy.com because at JuicyJoy.com there's all prizes and bonuses from tons of affiliate partners, and there's so much going on. You can join Club Naked there. Club Naked is the online community that I developed because really because I was so excited to get this book out there, and I really wanted to be there with everybody who reads the book, and I know that's kind of silly and hard to do, but this is my attempt at it. It's an online continuity club where we're going to have live teleseminars, live that's webinars. Good. We'll have guests And I think on. it's Hopefully wonderful. Will come. I, I will have, I'll happily come. And everybody Yay. go, juicyjoy.com. Uh, we're out of time, as usual, so I just want to thank everybody for joining us today. Hope you'll join us again next week, same time, same place. And remember, wherever you are in the world, believing in yourself always matters. <laughs>